just free to live however we want. The Bible says, God forbid we do that. Grace isn't for, there for us to sin. So when we come to Christ and He lives inside and we become truly righteous as the Bible described in, in verses 3 through about 16 or 3 through 13, something like that, you know, we're truly righteous. And then Christ comes to this section. And He comes to the section that we're at this morning because the people completely understood what he was saying about righteousness. That it's inside, not on the outside. You don't get right with God because of what you do. You get right with God because of what has been done. We look back to the cross. They looked forward to the cross. They looked forward from Genesis 3.15 to the coming deliverer. That coming deliverer is now sitting on the mountainside telling him that he has come and what he is going to do and how, how he would make them righteous. And they understood it, and I'll explain more about that in a moment. But he, he says to them in these verses, and he talks to them about the law. Firstly, I want to say to you this morning that um, uh, I am not here to tell you that... Um, um, we're not to obey the laws of God and that we can just freely run rampant and do what we want. But I also want to tell you that you do not obey the laws of God to be saved. You obey the laws of God because you are saved. Right? There's a huge difference in that. I want to tell you this morning that you need to listen to the whole message. All right? My burden is that I'm incapable of proclaiming the truths in a way that, that is, is done appropriately. So I really need to depend on the Spirit of the Lord this morning. So as we pray now, and then I'll read the Scriptures. I know that's backwards, but that's okay. We like to do things backwards here. We're going to pray first, then we're going to read the Scripture. And as we pray now... You pray the Holy Spirit directs you, speaks to you, helps you to understand. You pray the Spirit of God helps me to preach. And whatever leaves, may it be guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And may those truths that are taught and spoken from this book, you pray and I pray that they would be etched into our very being, into our very heart, to our very soul. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we humbly, humbly and brokenly come before you this morning. And Lord, in my mind, there's a lot of things swimming around about the Bible, about you, about songs we've sung, about the things that are going to take place this afternoon, about life in general, about my concern for my friend Jim, who, who will have this surgery tomorrow for his family, Lord, for the people in our church, for those who keep coming but yet have not come to you. I'm burdened for them, Lord. I am concerned for them. I don't want them to go into eternity without salvation. I'm so tired of hearing I'm not ready. I'm so tired of hearing, um, you know, I just, you know, I want to enjoy my life. Lord, it's not about us. It is about you. 
And Lord, I pray that we would fall down. And I don't say that in a kind of emotional, weird way, Lord, but I don't know any better way to explain it, Lord. I, I pray that we would fall down this morning before you in our heart. And I pray that we would come to you. I pray, Lord, that those who are not saved, you would draw them and save them this morning. I pray, Lord, that this service would bring honor to your name. And I I pray that you would help me to preach and to shepherd your, your, your flock this morning. And I just pray you would be pleased. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. Let's read in verse 17. Now keep in mind what's just happened. The Lord has just spoken uh, the, 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 the verses uh, 5 uh, verse 3 through, um, you know, 16 to them. He's told them about, blessed are you that mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, that fall before God. Knowing their condition. Knowing, uh, grieving over the sin. Oh, how we don't grieve over sin anymore. Blessed are the merciful Blessed are those who are pure in heart, keep their heart right before God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you, falsely slandering your name because of the sake of Christ. He says rejoice in that. Be exceeding glad because your, your, your reward will be great in heaven. And you're not the only ones that have gone through this, he said. And then he says to them, you know, because of this salvation you have, because of you being a child of God, because of you having this righteousness, because you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you've trusted me, because of this You are the salt of the earth. You don't now become it. You don't grow into it. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And because you are salt, you you must affect that which you touch. And because you are light, you must shine forth that righteous life and the, the salvation of the Lord. And you must, by good works, show this world what God is doing and has done in your life. And and that's an absolute. Do you understand? That's an absolute. That's not a do it if you want. Don't do it if you don't. That is, you are this. Do it. You know, my computer is a computer. It computes most of the time, you know. And then I call Ziggy or somebody, and they come fix it. You know, when I take salt out of the shaker and and, and hide it from my wife because she doesn't want me to add any salt to my food When I put salt on the food, it salts it, right? Because that's what it does. And because you and I, oh, and there she is. I thought you were out, and I thought I was getting away with salt in my food, and now I'm not. Oh, terrible. And uh, hey, but praise the Lord, I've cut down from a a liter-plus bottle of Coke every day to a teeny-weeny bottle of Coke every day. And so I'm I'm, I'm doing okay, Esther. I'm, I'm praying praying for you. I know how much you like Coke. Don't do it. Just stay with it. It's too hard. Kenny texted me last night. He said, how are you doing? I said, I'm craving Coke. And it's too late to go get any. So I'm, I'm suffering. He said, I know how you feel. 
So you add the salt, it's salts. You are light, you are salt. Folk, that's what we got to do. You know why the church isn't full today? It's not because lost people are more lost. It's not because they're harder. Lost people are lost people, folk. They've been lost. That's just what they do. I believe the churches are empty today because God's people are not light and salt. That God's, pe- that God's people aren't doing what we're supposed to be doing. We are seriously too interested in our own selves and not the glory of God and what He has saved us to do. So the Lord's told him, told these folks this, and just like you sitting there this morning going, oh, that's hard stuff. Just like that, this is what the Lord is thinking. He sees that this is the effect coming upon him. And they're, they're in their mind thinking, you know, we're told this, now you're telling us this, or are you doing away with this? Are you adding this? What are you doing? And Jesus said, let me tell you, verse 17, don't think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven." And here, I believe, is the crux of the whole matter. For I say to you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Father, again, uh, we've prayed, but Lord, help me. Help me today. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we need to understand, because Jesus said, I, I haven't come to destroy the law or the prophets, I've come to fulfill, to complete the, the, the law and the prophets. So firstly, we need to understand what is the law and the prophets. It's not just, it's not enough to simply say, well, it's the whole of the Old Testament. It's a little bit more specific than that. The law and the prophets are specifically, one, the law were the commandments. It was the Levitical um, uh, things that they did, the sacrifices, the feasts, the things like that. That was the law. The prophets is a better way of understanding that it was the people who were, one, telling the folks what the Scriptures meant, the prophets, but more specifically, it speaks of the prophecies. So Jesus said, I haven't come to destroy all these things that you've been taught. I haven't come to dismantle them. The word destroy there is to dismantle. It it means like um, when we were in Israel back in September, all over the place are these uh, still Bedouin villages. And the Bedouins still live in tents. And they're not like tents like you and I think of that we have up in our loft. You know, where we've got fiberglass pulling. They're big, sturdy, massive, more rectangular, flat roof shape than anything. And the Lord said, I've not come to tear apart and take down and put aside all of these things. I've actually come to fulfill them, to complete them, to bring them to an end. So Jesus said, listen, 
the, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to take apart the law. Now, the law can be subdivided into three parts. Now, not every conservative evangelical will name them exactly the same or divide them exactly the same because there's always differences in things. But for the most part, the whole of conservative evangelicalism divides the law into three subcategories. One, it's the moral law. What's the moral law, folks? He got it up on a mountaintop. What's the moral law? Charlton Heston. Come on, folks. Say it out. There you go. Ten Commandments. That's the moral law. Now, in the New Testament, all of the Ten Commandments are taught in the New Testament except for one, and that's keeping the Sabbath. It's the only one that's not taught mentioned in the New Testament. But that's the moral law, the Ten Commandments. The ceremonial law is, is seen in the shadows and the types of the tabernacle. Now, we've been studying the tabernacle in Sunday school for a while now. And as you see, as you can see from, from the whole of the tabernacle, it's a type and picture, a representation of Jesus Christ, right? Right? Amen? So that's the ceremonial law. It's shadows and types in the tabernacle. It's the Jewish sacrificial system, the feasts, things like that. But then there's a third category in the law, and that's the civil law. It's the judicial laws that govern the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, such like the cities of refuge, what, what happens, uh, you know, how, to, how do you stone for certain offenses, you know, how do you put away your wife, different things like that. That was the civil law. So here the Lord is saying, I've not come to destroy the moral, the ceremonial, or the civil law. I've not come to destroy the prophecies of the prophets. I've got, what, one, two, ten, some pages. I've got 365 prophecies from the Old Testament that were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that's, that's just 365 of them. I'm sure we could find a few more. Christ didn't come, folks, to destroy. He came to fulfill. Now, pastor, what is that important to us? If you'll bear with me, I pray I, I will show you why that's important. The heart of Christ's message is actually contained in verses 17 through 20. He's just told them what it is to be righteous. To be righteous is to have that working of, of God inside of you that's changed you. You and I cannot make ourselves pure in heart or poor in spirit. We cannot make ourselves mourn over sin. We cannot make ourselves uh, meek, subjugated before God. We cannot make ourselves to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We cannot make ourselves a pure heart. We cannot make within ourselves a true peacemaker. We cannot make within ourselves uh, you, you know, someone who's persecuted for righteousness sake. You're persecuted because of what you're living out. You're persecuted for who you know. You're persecuted for the stand on Christ that you take. 
such as when I've gone and talked to people and, and they've said, you know, you're telling me that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and to God? Absolutely. Well, don't you think you're being a little harsh? Don't you think you're being arrogant? They get quite upset for that. I can't bring that on my own. I only bring that to myself when I stand for the things that Christ has put inside of me. I cannot but say what the truth is. I don't know how these preachers can say there's no, that, that Christ's death on the cross was child abuse. I don't understand that because it's the truth of God's Word. I don't, I don't understand how people can say there is no hell, there's no eternal torment when Christ Himself taught that there was. And it's in the Bible. I, I don't get that. I don't understand how people who claim to know Christ can teach error and falsehood. Maybe that answers the question. Maybe they don't know Him. Maybe they don't know the truths of this book. To be righteous, Christ said, it is something that is, that, that is done inside of you. It's not something that you do. The reason Jesus said, I've not come to destroy the law or the prophets is because you need to understand that what he was saying to these people, it was, it was like, it was, what do you call it? It was radical. It was out of the box. It was completely different than what they've been told all their life. What do the Pharisees tell them? To be righteous, you must completely obey the laws of God. To be righteous, you must enact everything that we've told you. To be righteous is really, truly what you see on the outside. That's why they got torqued off at Christ when He was walking through the, through the area and He saw some wheat over there and they shucked some wheat and they ate it. He got, they got mad at Him because He did it on a Sabbath day. Hey, hey, if today's the Lord's day, right? If, if Christ lived here today, if, if He came to this time and we're in our synagogue having church and and the Lord said, yeah, I'm going to go to a hospital, uh, Johns Hopkins or something in Baltimore, Maryland, where, where Jim Calicello is. And, and he walked into that hospital room this morning and said, Jimmy, boop, and his tongue grew back and the, and, the, and the cancer was gone. And he got up and he started praising the Lord and singing. Would there be anybody in this room that would be mad at him and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's the Lord's day. It's a day of rest, Lord. You're supposed to rest today. Would any of you be upset? Talk to me, folk. No! Good night. We'd be having a praise service is what we'd do. We would just have a time. Why? Because inside we know what the truth is. Pharisees got mad because they were hypocrites. You know, they would what? Strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. You know, so they were not living out the law because of what was inside. They were living out the law in hypocrisy. They were living out the law saying, look at me. And Jesus came along and said, you know what, folks? You understand the Sermon on the Mount, don't you? Because they, those people were sitting there thinking one of two things. Yeah, Lord, we understand what you're saying. We've been waiting for the King to come. We want you to destroy the law. We want you to take over from this government. We want you to put down these wicked priests who, who, who tell us to do it, but they can't even themselves do it. We want you to set up a kingdom. Jesus said, I've not come to do that. Not yet. 
I've not come to do that. And then there was others sitting there thinking, you know, what, have you come to destroy the law that God's given to us? Have you come to destroy the way that we come to the Lord, to God? And Jesus said, no, I've not come to destroy it. So you need to understand, he didn't destroy and dismantle the laws of God. What he actually did is he became the fulfillment of those laws. He became the end of those laws. Jesus' relationship to the law was not destruction, but fulfillment. Take your Bibles this morning and just bear with me as I try to build a, a foundation. It's important that you, we understand this. Romans 10, verse 4. Look, take, go there with me and look at it in the Word of God. In our text, he says, I've not come to destroy or dismantle, but I've come to fulfill, to complete it, to fill it up to an end. The Bible says there in Romans 10.4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. What he's saying was, I am the end point for all that the law pointed to. Go back with me to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned before God. Where are you, Adam and Eve? God knew, but He was calling them. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that awesome that even in our sin, God still calls? Amen? Hey, do you get it? Do you get it? We get disgusted with sinners. We don't want sinners to come. We, the people come in the building, if they smell wrong, look wrong, act wrong, if their sin is so outwardly heinous, we're like, oh, I know that. I have the human nature there too, and I understand that. But God, in His mercy and grace, saw the sin, the wickedness, the, 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 the dirt, all of it. He said, Adam, Adam. And, and they finally came and they, they bickered a little bit and they blamed each other and she blamed the serpent and, and all of that. And then finally they did repent. We know that for what we see in Genesis 3. They, they repented because God covered them. And God doesn't cover unless we repent. And they repented and God covered them. And then he said these words, this statement. He said, said to Adam and Eve, he said, look, he said to Satan, actually, he said, look, you've won today, but my son is going to come, a deliverer is going to come who will destroy you. And he will bring my people and I back together again. And he, but you will be destroyed. You will hurt him, but he'll take your power away, Satan. And, and from that moment on, they waited, and they waited, and they waited. Eve actually thought Cain was going to be that deliverer's son, but he was not. He was a murderer because his heart was not right with God. He wouldn't subjugate. He wouldn't yield himself to God's authority over his life and God's way. Abel did, and that's why Abel brought the right offering. Cain brought a wrong offering. He was religious, but he was not righteous. He was not willing to do what God wanted him to do. So all this time, they've waited for the Messiah, for the Deliverer. God, when He set up the kingdom people, Israel, He set them up not with just a bunch of laws and sacrifices to get their salvation. That's not what it was about. Do you know what the law was? It was a pointer. 
and it pointed to the way. It pointed to Christ. You remember the tabernacle that we've been studying? The brazen altar about having taken the sacrifices and the, fi- the everlasting fire underneath and having to anoint the altar horns with, with blood. And from there you go into the laver. And, and the, the only way you can go into the holy place is you come to this basin of water and you see yourselves in that mirror. And the Word of God is the mirror. And we see ourselves and we see the sinfulness and the wickedness and we must be washed in the water. Amen? The laver, the water, the water basin, you get washed in the water. Christ is the living water. And we're washed by Christ and we can go into the holy place. The whole tabernacle is a picture of Jesus Christ. Good stuff, right? Doesn't that bless you? It blesses me. It excites me. Because what I see is not in the Bible two different testaments necessarily. I don't see two different religions. I don't see two different ways to God. In the Old Testament, they work to God for He's coming. And in the New Testament, we just are in grace. Here's what I see. I see one blessed line of God's redemption from the garden to eternity. And it's contained in that Scripture. And Christ is on the Mount of Beatitudes. And He said, look guys, I didn't come to destroy it. I am the fulfillment of this law. Amen? I am the fulfillment. I have fulfilled the ceremonial law. I have fulfilled the moral law. I have completed all the law that you have. Why? For Christ, Paul says, is the end of the law for righteousness. He is the one, he he is the point aimed at. He is the conclusion of an act. It all has come to Jesus Christ. Do you see what the point is? It's all come to where it was supposed to come. It was to come to Jesus Christ. We don't not, it's not just Old Testament and New Testament. It is one God, one plan, one truth. I am not a Judaizer. I am not saying we need to obey the law. We don't obey anything except repent in order to be saved. Our visitors came this morning. And they said, we had a choice of coming to two churches. And I thought, they said, we looked on your website. And I thought, oh, you've heard my sermons and the power there. And you're coming. They said, nah, man, we saw that Spurgeon started this place and we wanted to come. And I agree. Amen? I agree. So so, um, I told him afterwards, we'll give him a tour. And we'll even let you touch the rock that they planted for him out there if you want to do that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Unless you want to. I mean, it's cool. I don't care. I'm, I'm American. I'm easygoing. It's, it's all right. But Spurgeon wrote about this, about the law and about Christ. Spurgeon writes, the life, work, and words of Jesus Christ are not a editing. They are not a correction of the Old Testament word or even a cancellation of it. This word, it stands fast and firm, for it is fulfilled and carried to perfection in Jesus Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. And that, my friends, is the relationship Christ had to the law. He didn't come as a warrior against it. He came as a fulfillment of it. I I can't think of a a greater statement that shows the fulfillment of the law 
than what John Baptist said on the Jordan River. Now, for you folks that are going to Israel in, in a year and a half or three quarters time, whoever goes to Israel, we're going to take you to right on the border of Jordan, where Case is from, all right, and Israel. And right, we're going to stand right on the banks of the Jordan River there, and literally 30 feet across is Jordanian. Sorry, Case, what'd you say? That's right, Jordanian borders with some big dudes carrying big guns. Um, you know, they're there. And, and right behind us, you will see the modern day city of Jericho. And we'll take you through the, the Elijah crossing and the Elisha crossing. We'll take you through the uh, talking about the, 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 where Joshua brought over the, the, the nation of Israel, where, where Christ was baptized and all that. You know, we'll, we'll look at that. And right in that area somewhere, John, when Christ was coming out of that Judean desert there, and he was coming to the place of his baptism, John the Baptist said, look, 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 look right there. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. That spoke volumes to those Jude Jewish people. Why? Because what did they do? <laughs> Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, take the lamb, go pour the blood, sins are forgiven. John said, no more, nada, over. He is the Lamb of God. You know the problem with people today is? We still act like the law people in the Old Testament. See, salvation is not attained by what we do or by what we know. It is attained, and I don't know a better word, by falling before God and throwing yourself at Him and saying, I give up. I'm done. Salvation is not assenting to all the things of Scripture. Salvation is simply realizing you're lost and He's God. And if it wasn't for His love for you, you'd be lost eternally. But He said, if you come unto Me and call upon Me, I will give you life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall have life. Sorry? Say it. Eternal life. What we do nowadays is say, you know what? I will follow these Christian principles. The 2001 census was taken. And I'm learning this stuff because I'm taking my life in the UK test shortly. Pray for us because she's smart and I'm not. And I can't figure all these different details and and but but they said 75% of the people in the UK 75% people in the UK say they're Christian 75% out of that 75 10% are catholic the other 65 are assorted everything else christian but out of that how many go to church 10% out of that go to church all kinds of churches. All kinds of churches. Do you know what people base their Christianity on? Either one, because they're not Muslim or some other religion. Or two, they were always raised in a Christian affirmation, in a Christian faith. So therefore, they're Christian. Or three, some nutcase decided that salvation is some kind of 
wrote prayer and you and you were led in some prayer dear jesus dear jesus come to my heart come to my heart give me heart i mean not heartburn uh, give me that's right give me everlasting life kind of stuff you know we we we've we've not muslim or we would grow up always you know there's never a time really that you've come to christ you just that's always what you've been because you were raised that way or you you did some kind of prayer but but there was no conversion in your life. You know, that's not salvation. And if you do that kind of thing, that's no different than the law. Amen? That, that's no different than the law. The law says, do this, do this, do this, you'll be right with God. Christian law today says, pray a prayer, get baptized, join a church, go out visiting, do this, do that, do this, do that, dress in the right clothes. Heaven forbid, don't wear colored shirts. Comb your hair, don't have spikes. I got a letter recently that said spiky-haired preachers are worldly. Someone sent me an email last night that said preachers with a goatee in a, in a microphone like this are a, I forget what it was. It's a, basically I'm a boy band preacher. <laughs> I don't get it. Amen? Not happening. Do you understand what I'm saying? There might be some of you here that you think you're a Christian because, well, I prayed a prayer. Search your heart to see whether or not you have salvation. Search your life to see whether or not you look like Christ. The Bible says you are to be light. You are to be salt. The Bible says that we are to be holy because He is holy. The Bible says that we are to be like Christ. Amen? Amen? These are the things. And so Jesus said, listen, listen to me. I've not come to destroy this law. I am the fulfillment of this law. Come to me. Come to me. I am salvation. And then the Lord says to them, he says, listen, there, be, there will be no destruction to the law. There will be no destruction to the law. In verse 18 it says, I say to you, until till heaven and earth pass, one jot, one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all is fulfilled. That means that the law needed a fulfillment. The law was appointing to an end, not an end in itself. The law is there to tell you and I we're a sinner. The law is there to tell us about our wickedness. The law is there to not show us necessarily that we need to be saved, but the law is there to show us that we need a Savior. A little different there. That we need a Savior. Was Jesus, was Jesus giving a new way to the Father? Was he saying that, that, that I'm going to institute a new religion? I'm going to institute a new way? Actually not. What he was saying is, I am the fulfillment of the law. You used to sacrifice a lamb for the forgiveness of your sins. I am the lamb for the forgiveness of your sins. Amen? Let me give you a few verses. You ought to write these down because you know what? Get the CD, read, study it, listen to it again. Take the Scriptures and go home and be a good Berean and study the Word of God. And when I lose my mind and, and, I'm, and, and, and I've come up with some kind of lunch stuff, come to me and say, Pastor, thus saith the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Hey, 
This is about him, not us. Him. Malachi 3.6 says this, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Hebrews 13.8, Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now that verse right there really excites me. Christ was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ does not change. God does not change. James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above, and it comes down from the Father, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God doesn't change. God's not flipping a switch saying, okay, I let you kill enough lambs, now I'm going to do something different. God is saying, all of this was to point to a Savior. All of this was to show you the need that you have in your life. All of this was in my plan of redemption, and now I have come to this world. I am incarnate God. I am God in the flesh, and I have come to be the fulfillment of this law, the sacrifice for your sins. Titus says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God promised before all of this the plan of eternal life. It's always been His plan. Thy, Psalm 119, 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of Thy righteous judgments endures forever. Not one bit of God's word will fail. Not one. Not one single bit. The law pointed to Christ. Those people sitting on the mountain, they were sensing a stirring of their heart. They were realizing that, that in themselves they are not righteous. And they needed something to make them righteous or to make them right with God. Christ said, the, the following the law doesn't do it. Following the law being baptized, knowing the doctrines of religion, being raised in a Christian home, all of that religious stuff doesn't save you. What saves you is coming to me and allowing me to forgive you. It's putting your trust in me as the only way. That's what salvation is. Christ fulfilled over 365 prophecies in the Old Testament. He also did away with the sacrificial sacrifices of the Old Testament. Hebrews 10 says, Wherefore, when He comes into the world, Christ, He says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, thou hast had no pleasure. Did you hear it? No pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do your will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. 
by the which will we are sanctified by. That second, by Christ, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Because they weren't meant to take away the sins, but to just cover them for that year. Just until Christ comes to point to the Redeemer. But this man, Christ, after he's offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Do you know what? When Christ was on the Mount of Beatitudes, he was telling them that this is what's going to happen. In A.D. 70, Titus came into Jerusalem and wiped out the city of Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And do you know what happened in A.D. 70? No more sacrifices. No more. Isn't that a blessing? God said, I'm done with it. The lamb has already been slain. It's enough. Do you remember what Jesus Christ said on the cross? It's finished. It has been completed. Nothing else needs to be done for sin. And then we could even go into even circumcision. For circumcision was a covenant that was given to Abraham and, and, and the Judaizers after Christ came and they established the faith the way. And, and Judaizers were coming into the churches and saying, look, it's cool to believe in Christ. It's cool. But I want you to add circumcision to it so if you're not circumcised you are not truly going to be saved that again is like a, a picture of what we do today we'll come to church and we'll do all this religious stuff but we think you know what i need to add this or i need to do this to make sure that i'm saved no no fall just yield to god there are people in this room this morning you've done all kinds of religious stuff yes vicky i fall on my good knee not on my bad knee Vicky's over there going. <laughs> There's people in this room, and I'm done nearly. There's people in this room. I'm preaching this because I'm concerned for your soul. You might be religious. Man, I see it all the time. I see people who I know for a fact told me I'm not a Christian, and they get on Facebook. They got the most God-upped Facebook page I've ever seen in my life. There's more God thumbs and God likes and God this and God that on Facebook. And I'm thinking, that's just Satan blinding your eyes. You know what? You stand before God, it will all be gone. And the only thing he will look for in my mind, the way I think. The only thing that he'll look for is the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Are you washed in the blood? Emily, you ought to find that hymn, Are You Washed in the Blood? You ought to find that hymn too. You never know when you're going to play it. Do you know it? You're washed in the blood? We'll, we'll wing it. But that's the only thing he's going to look for. He's not going to look for uh, the, the, the sacrifices. He's not going to look for 
the fact that you know everything. He's not going to look for the fact that you grew up in a Christian home. He's not going to look for the fact that you're a pastor's kid. He's not going to look for the fact that you've done anything. He's going to look and see. He's going to know. He's going to know whether or not you've trusted Him, whether or not you've come to Him, whether or not you got poor in spirit, whether or not you subjugated yourself, whether or not you fell down before God and gave up and said, Enough! Salvation is, you can't, and He did, and you must call on Him. Because Jesus said, the law doesn't save you. I fulfilled it. It pointed to me, it waited for me, and I am the fulfillment of that law. We do not sacrifice animals anymore because He has been slain for us. Amen? Put away all the religious junk and just come to Jesus Christ. And Jesus said it this way. In verse 20, I say to you, if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, who in your mind are the most righteous of all people, then you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. That is a dagger pressed into the heart. Because none of us, those people say, there's no way. They live every day of their moment to try to fulfill that law, and there's no way I can. Jesus said, you're right, because I am the fulfillment of that law. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and light. You'll still have a yoke, won't you, Case? Case, I'm sorry. You still have a yoke, but it's the yoke of Christ, and it's different. Ingefleur, that yoke is a joy to carry, because you're not carrying it, are you? Jesus is carrying that yoke. Christ said, I've not come to destroy because I have come to be the fulfillment of that law. Beloved, that ought to cause Christian people to rejoice because we're not bound to obey a law. We are bound to obey a Savior. And that's different. Why don't you this morning search your heart and ask yourself a question. Am I truly born again? Do you know that the Lord will help you with your unbelief. The Lord will help you with your trembles and your shakes. All you need to do is by faith come and say, I'm yours. I can't. I just can't anymore. I'm yours. Some of you might have pride in your heart saying, well, I've already been baptized. I've already been churchified. I've already been religious. Now what will people think? If I come and say, you know what, I, I didn't understand before, I didn't get it before, and, and now I got it, and I know I need it, and I want to be saved. What I say to you this morning is call out to God. In your pew right there, you talk to Christ, you don't need me. It's the Holy Spirit that does the work and saves you. You let him work in your heart. And if that is you this morning where you've realized that, you know, that religious is done, and I know now that I, I'm, I'm naked and I need salvation, you just talk to God right now and you ask Him to forgive you. And you ask His dear Son 
to come into your life and and to change you. And he will. Because he does not lie. And he says, if you call, I'll come. Amen? Amen. And then you know what God's people will think? They will think, praise God. And you'll get more hugs and more kisses and more tears than you ever imagined. You would rather have those tears now than tears later. When they said, they turned away from me. I said, depart from me because I don't know you. Wailing, gnashing, and tears. Not worth it. Come to Christ now. Why? Because he did it all. Father, we love you. Lord, what a hard sermon. Heavy stuff. But God, it's what your word is and I can't change it and I can't drive around it. It's not go over it because it's hard. It's go through it because it's truth in your word. And Lord, I, <laughs> I pray God that you save people today. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen your believers, helping them to know that, you know, it's not by any kind of thing that they do. It's by everything that you've done. And Lord, I pray for us as a church. Lord, I was convicted this week about missions and about events and about extra activities and all this stuff. And I, and I, and I want to do more. But Lord, I, I, I came to the conclusion last night that I don't think the early church had conferences and events and all of that stuff. The early church had Christ and they lived him out. And God, that's what we need to do. And then as you lead, we'll have the other stuff. But Lord, help us to live out Christ this morning and every day. I pray, God, that you will be a relentless God and that you will go after those who need to be saved. And I pray, Lord, this morning, I pray even now, someone will come to you. In Jesus' name, amen.